0: If you listen to this podcast and find anything at all valuable, make sure you take a screenshot and tag me on Instagram at Billy Garton Jr. so I can see it and repost that to my story. Also, if you have any questions or inquiries about what you want me to speak about on this podcast, I want to know. Message me at Billy Garton Jr. and I'll be sure to get back. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Inspiring Young Aspirers podcast. Welcome to the Inspiring Young Aspirers podcast. I'm your host, Billy Garton Jr., a 21-year-old entrepreneur and professional athlete. On this podcast, we'll be interviewing some of the most successful world leaders in their space in both business and sport, people who've amassed success, wealth, abundance, and most importantly, happiness, often after fighting incredible adversity. The hope is that through this podcast, we're not just going to inspire you or motivate you, but rather through the tips and hints that my guests share, spur you into action. If you're young and motivated, join me on this journey as we ignite the passion through some of the world's most inspiring stories. You know, when you wake up every day knowing exactly what you're striving for, nothing can stop you. When starting out my podcast, it was fundamental to me that I make it as professional as possible. And I could not do that without the help of Podcast Backdrops. Make sure you check out Podcast Backdrops on Instagram and put in the code BILLYGARTEN to receive a special discount. Now let's dive into the episode. Is your business even worth starting? That's a question I'd ask myself if I were you. And a question that after today's podcast, you're going to know. Because today's guest is somebody that has been through the absolute ringer when it comes to business and life. From somebody who had his dream job pulled from underneath his nose. From somebody who was diagnosed legally blind. He has virtually had the world go against him in many, many ways. And for somebody who now owns 25 companies, is a multi-millionaire, a seven-figure income earner. Every single year, he knows everything there is to know and more about business, sales, entrepreneurship. Diving deep into one passion, rinsing and repeating once you find the success formula. Sean Castrina is a serial entrepreneur who's been featured in every news source under the sun. He's run business after business, success after success, but it didn't all start that way. And for somebody like yourself, who is a young hustler, a young entrepreneur trying to make it in this world, Sean is somebody that you are definitely going to learn from, somebody that you are going to hear the sales methods of today, the business tips of today, the model of today to get in and out of your business in a quick, speedy, authentic, open and honest process to the point where you can make a lot of money and have a lot of fun at the same time. So that's everything we preach, and that's everything we teach, and that's everything I'm going to dive deep into with Sean today. Sean, thank you so much for coming on. Sean, from a higher level, before we get going, for those who don't know you, obviously you you categorize yourself as an author, as a speaker, as a teacher. From a higher level, who is Sean? Where did he come from? Oh, man,
1: there we go. We're we're right into it, aren't we?
0: We're right Um, into it.
1: Yeah, no. I grew up less than middle class, is is a is a being um, kind. So I, I knew at pretty much at an early age that I didn't want to be broke. I knew poor really was not didn't look like it was a lot of fun. And um, so I knew early on I, did, I wanted to make money. I was a good high school athlete. Went to college on an athletic scholarship and got out of college working on my master's degree. I was m- m- married, new child, had my dream job in DC and then kind of got let go overnight. And that's kind of what started everything because then I realized you really don't have any job security. Like there's a million reasons why they can get rid of you. They could, you know, replace you because they want to pay somebody less. They get rid of you because they just don't like you. <laughs> they get rid of you because they don't think your job's important. You know, there's countless reasons. Yeah. So that's, that was kind of the genesis moment of realizing entrepreneurship or, you know, I was going to own something. Yeah. You know, even if it was just a part-time business that I had on the side, which would today be called a side hustle. Yeah. But, but I I knew that I wouldn't be dependent on a job for my security financially and or career.
0: Was that when, was that decision made solely when you got, fired from this dream job or were you, were you having an inkling prior to that? How did you go no, about making No, I decision? know it's funny.
1: I really did not. That's the funny thing. I mean, I didn't go to college for business. Never thought about that necessarily. I figured, I mean, I was in a, you know, it's pretty, you know, as an athlete, I'm pretty competitive. I just figured I'd get a corporate job and work my way up and be a CEO <laughs> one day. I mean, to me, that just made sense. If you become, you know, be great at something yeah. valuable to your company, you just kind of work your way up the ladder and keep getting paid more. and I was working on a master's degree, so my education would have went up. So between the two, I would have been okay. So I know the idea of starting a business literally never crossed my mind as a full-time important thing until when I was let go. Then it hit me like, wow.
0: Yeah. Let's put it into context then for, for my audience a little bit. So I believe you had a kid that had just arrived at the same time you yeah. You, yeah. you lost your job. So it must have been a little bit of turmoil at that point. To give the audience context as to what it takes to pivot into that world, sort of explain to me the the situation, what that job was, how it came about, and and sort of maybe the next three weeks to a month after that, what it took to sort of pivot, you know?
1: Yeah, so for one thing, like getting the job, it kind of has a really good story because it shows how you can get anything if you really want to. When I was getting ready to graduate from college, graduate in May, over you know and then it was in it was in March I called a, a well-known organization top 20 in the country and what they did and I, I got their CEO on the phone for like 20 seconds and um, told him I'd come work for free for 90 days and if I was as good as I think I was I'd be around for a long time and if I wasn't then um, they'd let me go well I was there for five years and when he, Retired. That's when I got let go. The turnover because I was really loyal to him and I was in his flock, and so they wanted to kind of clean house. But you know, my first major job I got, I agreed to work for free, and neither to say, I didn't get. They 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 started paying me pretty quickly and Mm -hmm. kept me for five years. So that's just a great story, and you know how you can how you can get a job if you think you're talented.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And then you get let go from a job, and and the one thing I found when I got let go, you know survival kicks in when you have a child and you're, you know, you know, you're married, you got a mortgage. Um, so yeah, you you go through that survival thing and depending on your personality, my survival only kicks in for about 24 hours. Within 24 hours, I can put together a plan. I I don't (laughs) never know whether it's a good plan, but I can put together a plan. So I, um, started selling insurance just to kind of play defense. You got to play the bills, you know, pay the bills. So I started selling insurance, was making you know great money, and, I, and I, it was, this is funny because it really reflects how I think about business, which is different than a lot of people. We, we had these sales meetings on Mondays, and it's the first time I was ever around millionaires in insurance. The guys were making crazy money.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I was like, well, it'd be incredible, and this was like 25 years ago, if somebody could come to this parking lot and clean our cars while we're in this meeting, got all these great-looking cars, we got to go out on sales calls. And that's when I started a a company called Waxmaster Mobile Detailing, which is funny about it because it it touches all my food groups. A, I didn't know anything about it. Number two is I never cleaned a car the whole time. (laughs) And number three is I never worked full time in the company. But I set that up and I made $35,000 that year, passive income, just setting up the business that had a great name, credible logo. I knew how to market. I knew how to make the phone ring. And once I kind of figured that out, that was really my aha moment. Like, okay, wait, I don't care about the industry because it's a—it just makes money for me. In other words, I want to find a profitable business. Everybody, passion is an entrepreneur's mistress. Yeah, I'm passionate about a lot of things. It doesn't mean I necessarily think they're good business ideas. Yeah. You know, Richard Branson loves yachting, but he doesn't have a yachting business. He has a (laughs) lot of businesses, but that is not one of them. Yeah. Because he knows where they're, you know, some things just aren't meant to be businesses. So, you know, I start this auto detailing again, work two hours a week setting it up, and I make $35,000 a year. And that kind of set my blueprint up going forward in business in that the industry is completely irrelevant to me. Number two is I'm not gonna submerge, you know, I'm not submerging myself within the business. I'll get it going. I always partner, and then I rinse and repeat because okay. I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know, in any one company a hundred percent. I get it going. I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm looking for the next thing. Yeah. But get things going, systematize them, and partner with somebody. Let mm-hmm. them take over and run it, and then I move on to another one and rinse and repeat.
0: I love it. So you. So, you initially left, you got fired from this job, and then you went into insurance. And then, so your first business that you actually set up was this car detailing.
1: Yeah, I and I saw it's funny, they cleaned my cars like three weeks ago. I sold it like five years after I had it, but it still exists. Same logo. It was kind of funny because I took a picture of it when it was out in front of my house. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it was a durable business model that, like I said, 25 years later, it's still making money. Yeah. You know, service companies they make money They you know, there's certain things that you'll always have to pay people to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, getting your car cleaned. <laughs> if you have higher income people, they're happy to you know pay you good yeah. money to do that.
0: I'm fascinated, Sean, by the, uh, the competitive mindset that comes with being an athlete. Um, for someone like myself, I'm also, I'm a professional soccer player and I know you were in the wrestling world and, and went to yeah. college for wrestling. And so I'm fascinated by two things. you, you're in the survival mode. And often, I'm sure as a wrestler, you may feel like you're in that survival mode at certain times as well. Do you relate the feeling going through that similarly to how you would deal with being involved in a sport like wrestling? And how do you relate that to business as a whole?
1: Well, business is a contact sport. And anybody who's not, you know, if you're good at it, you know it's a contact sport and that it's competitive. When I set up a business, the very first thing I do is find out who my competitor are look at study them figure out what i need to do to be better than them i like one example was i drove to their park lot took a picture of the building their vehicles counted every one of them started driving home that way on my way home every day until we had more vehicles than they did and we had a bigger building and a nicer building i mean that's i think when you're competitive it's and i think to be a great entrepreneur you got to be competitive See the idea, like somebody's a nerd. You can be nerdy and still be competitive. And I, I you know, so I mean, Bill <laughs> Gates was kind of nerdy, but he was extraordinarily competitive. Yeah. And, and Steve Jobs and, and all that. So I, mm-hmm. I do think being competitive helps because there's a there's winners and losers in life. Yeah. Nobody wants to talk about it, but yeah. but there, you know, some people. You know, achieve at a high level because they typically work harder. They're very competitive and they they want to achieve at that level. Some people are very content somewhere in the middle, and some people just don't accomplish anything.
0: Yeah. So if you're, where are you on that on that regard of, of winners and losers and balancing by the way your love of life and an overall happiness?
1: Yeah, I mean, my you know, two things, Well, my my wife and I were at a seminar and they had, were doing personality tests and you know, they were going around the to the big room and they said and my wife's real quiet and sweet and she goes they go what type of personality is is sean and they were comp- there was four animals like a lion a lamb a blah 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 my wife goes he's the lion that eats the lion <laughs> so, so so yeah i'm definitely i mean i'm definitely tenacious yeah you know
0: yeah are you the dog eat dog type in many ways. You know,
1: I mean, again, I'd rather be—I'd rather be doing the biting than being bit. But, but I, there's a balance in that. You know, I, I'm competitive, but I don't, i wouldn't cheat to win. Yeah. You know, you want to win, you want to win right. And, and if somebody beats me, then it's when you shake their hand and you try to figure out how you can beat them the next day. So I think there's a balance. There's a balance in there. But I do believe in business, you, you got to have that little competitive. Because you get to those points where it's so easy to quit,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and like with wrestling, you got to suck weight. You know, got to lose weight in
0: wrestling.
1: Yeah. So I, I definitely have that prisoner of war mentality. Yeah, yeah. Like I feel like if it's tough, I can out tough you. I love that. You know what I mean? I feel I like if it's yeah, I, I, I can go longer without a paycheck if I have to. Yeah. I'll do whatever it takes for this business to succeed. Yeah. And and I think you get that through, you know, sports sometimes. Is there a
0: balance there for you in terms of like you said there you'll do whatever it takes for a business to succeed? When does it get to the point where you feel it's at a loss or ever?
1: Oh yeah, there and there is a point. There's a point where you know, people ask me all the time, you know, do you ever quit on a business? I go, Yeah. I go there is a point, you know, there is a point where a, if we're not making money, B, there's no money in sight, C, we owe more than what's coming in, D, we're losing customers. And then E, I don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, I think that's when you <laughs> call it a day. I mean I think you know, you live to fight another day. Yeah. You you that you you know, throw I always say throwing good money after bad money doesn't make any sense.
0: Yeah.
1: So you, you fight until there's a point to where it's a futile fight, and then you have to, you know, regroup and fix fix the problem, fix the, you know, come up with a better business the next time around. But I, yeah. I, I, I do think holding on to a loser, you know, it, it's draining. And, and again, if you're just throwing money away, and, and if you've ever been in business, you all know what I'm talking about. I don't have to go into that. Let no money's coming in and money's coming out. Yeah. Well, that that when you hit that, you know, that's a bad formula.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. I think one thing that, that after reading about you and obviously listening to you here that I'm fascinated by that relates in many ways to a lot of these high level entrepreneurs and, and successful people that I've spoken to is in many ways, it seems like you're quick to make decisions, but you're also quick to pivot. And you're also quick to understand that if things need to change, you'll change and you'll change them quickly.
1: You have to, and it's so true. I mean, I make my, my wife and I will joke about a decision, and I already go. I already made it five days ago. I'm just waiting for you to, <laughs> you know, or I'll tell my I'll tell my business partners. We'll have a meeting, and I go. I've already made the decision. I'm just waiting to hear yours. Yeah, because you know, you typically do make decisions quick. You do pivot quickly because you're just highly alert to, you know, Jack Welch, you know, change before you have to. You know, you see, you know, Steve Jobs. You got to see around corners. Yeah. So I do think you have to have that. Um, you know, when you're, especially a startup. I always say a startup is like flying a kite. We all know, you know, you take your eye off a kite, a little bit of breeze. It, you know, at some point we hope it'll be a seven fifty seven. You know, like <laughs> Air Force One or something of that magnitude of stability or whatever. But in the beginning, your business is so, you know, anything can bring it down. So you, you have to pivot. Yeah. You have to be hyper alert to, to different things that present themselves or yeah. you won't be around.
0: Yeah, Where do you find that balance then? This is something that I've struggled with and I'm sure many young entrepreneurs in my audience struggle with as well. The balance between going all gung-ho and, and going for it with all with all guns blazing and then also finding that you get caught out, whether that be in finances, whether that be in the organizational point of view in the business. Where do you see the balance? Cause, and the reason I say this is because there's yeah. some people that I speak to that say, Go for it and figure everything else out later. There's other people that say lay the foundation and then go. Where do yeah, you? I, I where mean, do you say?
1: You always plan. I mean, you know, the idea that entrepreneurs are risk takers—we are the most calculated risk takers <laughs> on the planet. I mean, you know, we, you know, we all vet our ideas. People that have brains vet them. You don't just get an idea. The the, the, the illustration I give somebody, if, if just look at it, its most simplest sense. Again. A business plan, I've done business plans that were one sheet of paper. Yeah. Okay, but they but but the business plan what it did is it achieved and it gave me the numbers that I needed to see that there was a profit margin, a marketplace, and a strategy that I could niche in between my competition. It answered about seven questions that I found to be important. And I tell people I go, if I gave you, you know, three hundred thousand dollars and you just want a free house. You wouldn't run if you were in America. Run the Home Depot or Lowe's and start buying wood. You'd do a blueprint. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, what do I want? Two bedrooms, three bedrooms. Do I want it to be a two-story or one-story. How many garages do I want? Do I want to? You, I tell people if I gave you a free vacation, you wouldn't get in the car and start driving. You'd go. What I want a winter vacation or summer vacation? Do I want to go to Disney World? Do I want, You know but we'll go we'll get an idea and then we run with it in a business and i just say no listen i mean i'm nobody is more energetic than i am but running in the wrong direction at full speed does not get you there faster yeah find the target have a strategy and run in that direction so i I think sometimes our, our excitement i always i always tell people man i'm I'm relentless, I'm this, I'm that. I go, yeah, but if you're going in the wrong direction, it really doesn't matter.
0: (laughs) Hey there, Young Aspirers. I wanted to take a break here and just talk to you about how I started my podcast. So starting a podcast can be quite daunting. You got to figure out camera equipment, you got to figure out sound, microphone, background, lighting, and that could be hard to think of. But when I found Blossom Media Studio, they made it so easy for me to just focus on what I actually care about, which is speaking to my guests on a weekly basis. Everything from pre to post-production gets taken care of, all I have to do is do what I enjoy, show up and record. So big thanks to Blossom Media Studio. Now let's get back to the episode. <laughs> it's funny, I, I used a, a quote f- already on this podcast and I'm going to use it again. I don't know if you listen to J. Cole at all, but he has a line that says that. The good news is you came a long way. The bad news is you went the wrong way. And that's everything I, I preach it. and everything I teach. Yeah. I in, in, in the personal branding world, I say the same thing. Like You can... You can put out all this content, but if you have no goal to hit, you're putting out content and, and not hitting anything. You're not going anywhere, and then you're just wasting time and wasting wasting money and valuable valuable time in in your life and in your business. So
1: yeah, I, it's funny you do that. I have two whiteboards in my office, and I put I'm I, and I like just shooting for one thing. November. This is the one thing. Like I'd like to get ten things, but this is the one thing that if I get this one thing done, it's the hardest thing, and it knocks down all these other dominoes. Yeah. You know, and it's, I, I, you know, I'm just thinking that relentless focus and, and going yeah. in the right direction instead of, you know, people are doing, just because you're doing a lot of things doesn't mean you're doing anything well yeah. or anything that brings value to the equation. You hit
0: the nail on the head with that and I'm someone, again, who, who has struggled with that many a time, especially as a young entrepreneur where you feel like you have the energy to do everything, anything and everything all yeah. the time and it's like, I've got this going on, this going on, this going on, and then you realize three months down the line or four months down the line... I really haven't completed anything. I've just been running in circles in many ways.
1: Great book and I, I don't push a lot of books but the concept of it the book by Keller who, you know, set up Keller and Williams the billion, you know, he's a billionaire. Yeah. But the book the one thing that concept, and, and then Tim Ferriss said something that was really good. I, I, I think somebody was interviewing him and kind of asking him about his routine, and of course Tim Ferriss' four-hour work week and all that, <laughs> that whole franchise. But somebody's like, you know, what, what do you do every day? And he goes, I would bore you. He said, I get up, you know, I get up and I have tea, and he said, and I take a walk, and I might walk on the beach and meditate and this and that. And I may do that for 20 or 30 days because I'm trying to find the one domino that if I knock down that domino, it knocks down all the other dominoes. He said, so I just want to always, my job is to find the one thing and then, and then go after it and then find the next one thing. And, and I've learned that from that book and then from Tim's you know, Tim's saying that. And that's how, what I've found, because I'm one of them super high energy, a million ideas. Yeah. And I've learned to write one thing down relentlessly pursue that one thing and a great illustration is you'll you'll really love this is that bill gates and warren buffett obviously the number one and number two richest men in the world back to back for countless years but they're best friends and um they were at a dinner party and you know bill gates father gave an index card to bill gates obviously his son and gave one to warren buffett and said write on it the one thing that you attribute most to your success and they, he got the cards back at the end of the evening and they both had written the exact same thing on it. Focus. Wow. Focus. Two, two wow. number one and number two, wealthiest person in the world for basically, you know, 20 out of 20 years, you know, pre, you know, I think, uh, Jeff Bezos. Yeah. And they both attributed focus that's as brilliant. the most, the number one thing that they attribute to their success.
0: You know, I think that's, that's an incredible lesson again for a young entrepreneur and someone within my audience because there's a fine balance where getting into entrepreneurship especially people who want to achieve great things most entrepreneurs go in line with i want to make a lot of money and that's really the mindset and when you're trying to make a lot of money you look up ways of making a lot of money and the common theme that comes up is most millionaires have seven streams of income so you think that you need to immediately go i'm going to create this 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 and this all at once and i think that's an incredible lesson that you have to take it one at a time you
1: know, I, this is how I compare it. I don't know if any, I'm old, okay? But so you got Monopoly and you got Risk. They're two different games. Mm-hmm. And the goal of Monopoly is you buy everything up as fast as you can because if somebody lands on you, and that's kind of how you win the game. Well, the game of Risk, you got to fortify your army so that people don't come through your continent. Business is Risk, not Monopoly. You build it, you fortify it, and only when it's fortified do you move on to another venture. What I'm most proud of, I've had three companies that have been in business more than 20 years. But I've started, founded three companies and they've all made it to year 20. It's that durable, sustainable business and not just being the, you know, it's a hobby. You're kind of excited about it now. And, you know, I I like durable, sustainable business.
0: Right. So if you could look at like a business model for them in terms of the way you go about it. Is it virtually rinse and repeat? What do you? What would you say are, are the setup processes that for a young entrepreneur looking yeah. now? You say these need to be done before you can achieve anything.
1: I think the first thing is is find a business that there's a big market for it. In other words, it solves a problem. You don't want to try to find a needle in a haystack. Okay, so fi- I just think you're the idea we get so. F- Entrepreneurs fall so in love with their ideas, and I'm like, man, is there does do people want what it is you (laughs) are going to sell? Because nothing is harder to fix than nobody interested in your product, (laughs) right? I mean, that's the hardest thing. So that's got to be the first thing, the very first thing. When you're you got an idea, you're testing your, you got to test that business. Make sure you're not the only one that likes it. Yeah. So I'm really big on just kind of beta testing that, and then don't go forward on an idea that you don't think is durable. I'm not big on trends; they tend not to be around. So all I always say is, "Do you think this business will be around five years from now?" You know, because you don't want to try to catch on to the next new thing and the next new thing. You want to, you know. So I just that's what I look at. I just think people they start a business and then they think the customers are going to come. Man, you got to do a little bit of research to make sure that there's a market for it. You know, if there's a lot of competition, that can be good or bad. The good thing is is it shows you that the business works. Yeah. Because there wouldn't be other ones. Yeah. Now, the question is is there a bunch of them in your, you know, your area or where you're going to compete? So, that you got to kind of, you know, that's just an easy way like seeing if there's competition. If there's competition, then it works.
0: Right. And then what's and the, the next secret. step after that? Then you got to be unique. See, you think about it. There's all these,
1: like in America, we've got all these, you know, Burger King, McDonald's, and all the rest. But they all each have kind of a little bit of a different value proposition. Yeah. Y- you know, I mean, Burger King, they, you know, cook it on the grill, whatever. And <laughs> McDonald's is fast, and, you know, Wendy's has whatever, the best burger, whatever. You just, somehow you gotta, you got to niche yourself in that. You just basically, if there's, if there's a beauty contest, why are they going to choose you? Yeah. and I think a lot of businesses when they get started they don't spend time looking at their unique selling proposition and that just means like what about your business is going to be unique why would a customer buy from you over your competition that is one of the five most critical questions in setting up a business
0: Yeah. so would you say then you're looking at now you, you mentioned why would someone buy from you over your competition Yeah. are you a big believer in going into a market where there's proven success and trying to compete Or are you a believer in trying to find open space where there's not many competitors?
1: The problem is, is open space, you need to be a genius.
0: You need, you know, I mean, we, 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 very few people get
1: true blue ocean. So Mm -hmm. my thing is, is that I've made millions of dollars off very common businesses. I, 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 I mean, to me, if I'm in a, let's say I'm in a geographical location and I know a certain business works in other cities, but it hasn't made it to my city yet. Well, then I want that business. So, you know, sometimes we go on like vacation, we'll go visit somebody and we see something that's working or we hear about something that's working and then you bring it back to your area and you do it because there is no competition in it. I mean, in other words, competition is relative. I mean, technically Uber had taxis, (laughs) but they just found another way of doing it. But if you'd have told me that a taxi business, you know, taxis have been around for 80 years, but they did it differently. They adapted the totally a totally different ap- approach to that so i think that you can be in a competitive industry and still find a, a different way of doing it elon musk if you look at tesla i mean you know we electric cars like priuses they were goats yeah I mean, they were slow n- ugly cars they look like they, they you know they looked like you were trying to i don't <laughs> know whenever you saw one you just knew it was an electric car
0: yeah
1: <laughs> i guess that's all i can tell you well tesla you know, flip that model on its head. Yeah. You can have a hot, great looking electric car that can fly.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So it That's was a competitive. Saying. I mean, cars was a hot. I mean, if you had told me that you could start a car company in the last 10 years, I mean, car companies have, you know, they're pretty much stalwart companies. Yeah. They've been in business forever, you know, Toyota, blah, 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 blah. And then the electric cars, like they were struggling, the Prius and and, and then the um, Chevy Volt and all of them. And then Tesla comes in in a a market that looks like, you know, nobody. there's not a lot of interest in it or it was losing its peak. And then boom, what, he's the third or fourth richest person in the world right now?
0: Yeah, that's mad. Yeah, it's it's crazy. (laughs) That's why
1: I'm like, you know, it'd be great if you had Blue Ocean, but sometimes you create Blue Ocean by just being so different in your approach to it sometimes you just gotta approach it a little you know solve the problem in a little you know in a little different way
0: yeah i think that's something that's very cool and, and and something i've been wanting to ask you since the start of this conversation when you began to speak about you don't just follow things you enjoy. You you find a business model, make sure it works and you go after it. In many ways, that contradicts sort of everyone that I've interviewed. It contradicts so many different it. things. And so I'm and fascinated it. by that. I'm going to tell you why. Yeah. I'm going to
1: tell you something. No, it's funny you say that because I had an interview with John Tesh who has like 5 million listeners, the Intelligence for Your Life radio program. Mm, yeah. And he was interviewing me and I said the same thing and he immediately kind of like threw up his hand. Sean, you got to be passionate. And then we kind of we tussled for about 10 minutes or 5 minutes and then he went back to the first business he ever started and it failed <laughs> and he said you're right i was fa- i was in love i was passionate about running and i set up a running store a running shoe store and it bombed and i said that's my point in other words it, uh, you know john i'm like I- i'm pat listen to me i'm not saying don't be passionate i'm passionate about a lot of things right. i love giving money away i love feeding people, providing shelter, providing education for kids all over the world. Guess what? If I don't make a lot of money, I can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so making money does it. I like having, I'm passionate about my family. I've never missed a school event for any of my children. I don't miss dinner. I'm here when they get up to have breakfast. I'm passionate about that. Yeah. Entrepreneurship allows me to do that. I wanted to go see the Conor McGregor. My son goes, hey, dad, you know, it's like four days before Conor McGregor, Madison Square Garden, I want to go. I get a limousine, order two great tickets, and a limo drives us from Charlottesville, Virginia, to you know to Madison, six hours away. We drive up and back because I can do that at, at that. So yeah. my point is that pa- passion is great, and I'm passionate about business. I wouldn't have written three books and have a fourth one coming up. Uh-huh. I love business. I love the marketing part of it. I love the startup phase. I love partnering in it. I love business, but the individual business that I start. I want one. There's only one criteria. There's only one law that's irrefutable in business. It's called the law of profit. Because <laughs> if you don't make profit, you are out of business. So all those passions you have, yeah, grab a struggling business that has no marketplace and see how much, see how it sucks the life out of you.
0: That's mad. Stop. I'm interrupting my own podcast to talk directly to you. What do you care about? What is your deepest passion in this world? That is what you need to be doing consistently. So now that you know that, how can we align your content with those goals so you can build a personal brand that sells? That's everything we touch on in my eight-week personal branding accelerator. I'm opening up my next 50 spots as we speak. So DM me on Instagram at BillyGartonJr and we'll hop on a quick 10-minute phone call to see if you're a good fit. Now back to the episode. That's absolutely crazy. I think it's... it's such a cool take on on everything. In many ways, does contradict everything, but is such a a cool take. And, and what I'm getting from it is, you just are so passionate about the journey. You're so oh, passionate about it. the grind.
1: I love starting. I mean, to me, I, the great illustration of this is I, I remember it was 2008 when you know the market was collapsing, and I'm at the dinner table with my family, and I always have ideas. I've started, you know. A company about every year and i said to them i said you yeah, know we're probably going to cut back a little bit maybe we'll get the house cleaned by the house cleaners This, you know everybody's just trying to be prudent yeah. you know and i was living in a massive house and just trying to be prudent my daughter looks at me she goes dad we got no worries she goes you just need another one of your great ideas and <laughs> that's my child that's my child already knows how her dad thinks yeah. she already knows the power of an idea because she's heard me get excited about one and then it becomes a company
0: yeah yeah. So
1: I, to me, it's just taking something from just an idea and then it, it, it employs people. See, I have real businesses. I love the fact that I employ people that pay mortgages, puts kids through colleges and all that. So I love the genesis of an idea, implementing it, executing it, and then getting it completely systematized so that I can get out of it within two years. And then move on and go to another one and go to another one and go to another one. So, yeah, that, that's what jazzes me is that I, I I kind of have a cool system. And I love that like, I have seven business partners, and none of them are entrepreneurial. Yeah, They're very regimented, systematized. They understand the industry. They're very detailed. I'm the maniac. I can start companies, but I don't want to run them ongoing. So I... You know, that that's just makes the yin and the yang. So I, I, you know, I got seven partners that could have never owned companies.
0: Is that, but that what I you know do where, then? You, yeah, you, you oh, find, find an industry and you go and find someone who's an expert, you Absolutely. pitch them the idea and say you want them One, involved.
1: One thousand percent. That's my superpower.
0: And how do you balance then the fact that you're going to set it up and then virtually not disappear, but almost just not do anything.
1: Yeah, I mentor them for about two years. This is what I tell them when we get started. I said, uh, we got to agree on a couple things. I said, would you agree that without my help, we could not get this business off the ground? They go, yes. Okay, Okay, I said, because there will be a time five years from now where you're going to be paying me a lot of money. And I want you to remember that statement. Yeah. That I bankrolled it. It was my idea. Like, I'm going to work like a maniac for about 18 months getting this thing off, but then I'm going to work my way out a bit. Yeah. But just remember this conversation. And then I always tell them this 50% of a lot is better than 100% of a little. <laughs> so um, so that's, yeah, I do it. I, I mean, that's my, I, I'm always, I, again, ideas are so overrated. You give me a smart person, I'll find you a business. I mean, I'm not worrying about it. I I could find a business by tomorrow. You let me interview three smart people. I'll find a business with one of them. Yeah. Because I I just need an expert. I just need an expert with integrity and who wants to work hard. Setting up the business, that's like breathing to me. That's like setting up a chessboard. I can do that. Was it always like that, though? No, that's the beauty of it. But the first business gave me the blueprint. Touch on that then. Let's, let's touch on that business. Yeah, the Waxmaster Mobile Detail. Just think about this for a second. My very first business, I set up an automobile, deal, automobile detailing company. We clean cars. But think of the name I set up, Waxmaster Mobile Detailing. It's a great name, and it tells you exactly what we do. Mm-hmm. Just just like so many people try to get so cute with their name that nobody knows what the heck they do. <laughs> the tagline, America's Choice in Mobile Detailing, Trademark. I went for a bold brand position from day one. We are gonna, we are America's, from day one, the day we set it up on the side of the vans, <laughs> America's Choice in Mobile Detail. Our phone number was one 3824 That's toll-free, we detail, 888-WE-DETAIL. I still know the number by heart 25 years later because it was set up perfectly from the beginning. See, what I realized, if you set it up right, you brand it from day one, you build a company that can generate phone calls from day one. From day one, I had those two things in sync. I knew it. And I was right, 35000 of passive income. Once you create a demand for something, you have a business. The hard part is creating the demand. So I start with that out of the way. That's why I don't go on, a, on my passion. No, I want to find out what the demand is. Give me the demand, then I set up a business. It's yeah. that To me, that's just the hardest – the reason why businesses fail, they only fail for one reason 99% of the time. They don't make enough sales to stay in business. Why do they not make enough sales? They don't have a big enough market that's interested in them. Yeah. So the, what I'm saying is that's the core of the problem. So start your business solving the core.
0: So when you – so here's what I'm picking up from this and I think a lot of the audience can pick up. It starts with obviously an idea and a marketplace. Then it start then it, then comes the demand. Absolutely. You need to find the demand. And then comes the setup process and and I think this is where a lot of people get stuck. They find a lot of people obviously get stuck at the demand phase. But if you yeah, get past right. the demand phase, you know the demand's there.
1: Yeah.
0: How do you go about and this is again something that I've struggled yeah. with? How do yeah. you go about growing the business without when you don't have much capital initially? Go about growing the business looking to hire people, but you don't have much money to do so, but you've stuck between this fine balance of a rock and a hard place where if you put all the time in, you make more money, but then you can't get out of it because then you're losing money. What's the process there?
1: All right, I'm going to contradict a lot of people here. One is that I think having a job while you're starting a business is a good idea. See, there's 168 hours in a week, and, and I've, I have worked a job and put that money into my business. hmm Because I have a a marketable skill and I can generate an income, it's not what I want to do forever. But sometimes you got to play defense.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, So I've done that. Number two is I've hired people and given them a partnership in lieu of money. Like I, I know for the business to be scaled to point B, that I got to hire this MVP. But I can't afford to hire MVP. So how do you hire an MVP when you got no money? You give them fifty percent of the company. Now you structure the deal in that if they leave anytime in the first five years, this is just about a million dollars worth of advice for free. Mm-hmm. But if they leave within the first five years of the of the business, they don't get anything. They walk away with nothing. You don't have to buy them out. That's the best advice you're going to get on any podcast this year. If you're in partnerships, they'll save you a lot of money. But I partner with somebody, and I'm like, hey, listen, I you know assuming they think you have a good idea that's why it's good to have a good idea and have a little bit of your homework done because when you can validate it, it you're all you're doing instead of pitching to a, v, a venture capitalist you're just pitching to a partner that you want in your business but if you don't do a business plan you can't do a pitch mm-hmm. so that's why i like having a little bit of a business plan i have pitched my ideas to people investors as well as partners just like you would like you see on Shark Tank, just little things like the friends. I'm like, listen, I got a business idea. I need ten thousand dollars. I will pay you back, a hundred percent return on your money. I'll pay you back twenty thousand dollars within two years. See, I give a crazy return on money, mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter. What's remember I said the fifty percent of a lot. So I've I've made I've taken loans. You got, for somebody to invest in your company, you got to give them a reason to take a risk. And the problem is you think it's like a normal loan. Well, I'll give them five percent. Nobody gives five, nobody borrows money. Nobody's gonna give money for a startup without getting a king's ransom. Yeah. And that means sometimes you gotta really pony up. I'm gonna I'll give you ten thousand back for two straight years. You know, got or, or three, 30, It doesn't even matter. The point is if it can get your business up and going and you make money. Even if you borrowed ten thousand bucks and you paid back thirty, you you won on that deal a hundred times over.
0: Yeah, yeah. Do you so? When you were starting these businesses, yeah. initially you were talking about you partnered with an expert in the industry. Yeah. Do you only believe in partnering with one person, or would you find other people yeah. who were maybe people who that, that would offer services that would be of value to you, and you'd offer them a small percentage as well? Right.
1: The problem with that I had a partnership with three people and I wanted to hang myself. Ah, oh, <laughs> it, it was getting everybody to agree. The problem is, is that you can't. I, I don't. I personally, I didn't like it. We, I remember one night we had like a six-hour discussion about buying a box van, a box truck, and I ended up buying it the next day myself for the company because I get tired of arguing with people. This is what I like. I like 50-50 partnerships where the deciding vote has already been decided. So when you draw up your agreement, you can be 50-50 partners, and you can still say, "But Johnny makes the final decision." Yeah. Like in my partnerships, they're fifty fifty, but all all coin tosses go, I make the final decision. Right. I have more business experience, and I tell them that going in, I, I'm not. You and I are not going to get at a standstill. We're not going to be staring at a fork in the road and a spend debating, a week, there. Yeah. right? Because we may lose that opportunity, and nothing will piss me off more than that. Because you you're you've never made quick decisions. You're you're you know typically you have a yin and yang in partnerships, and that's great. But most of my partners are far more conservative. Remember their employee yeah. mindsets. Yeah. So I, you know Do you I know I make that? them. Yeah, I love it. I love it. But I that's why I make sure I, I make the final decision. Would you never See, partner
0: I, with anyone who's entrepreneur who's who's got a similar mindset to you?
1: I don't mind, but I some I'm, the problem is we might cannibalize ourselves.
0: Right. Right.
1: The other problem is is that I love people that are the opposite of me because I'm very high energy and all that. I want detailed people that, that you know, are going to work their butts off. And, and just. I want somebody like my partners. I've never told them when to go to the office. Sometimes they're there at 5 in the morning. I don't have to because the, they get 50% of all the profit. So I, I want them to be immersed in that one thing.
0: So you have to basically sell them on the idea so much so that they believe in what is to come that they will put the time in regardless.
1: You just nailed it. I've asked my partners all the time, why did you do it? Why did you quit your job and join me? They go, I just, you had that, there was something about your presentation. And this is even when I'm in my 20s because my second business, I borrowed money to get into it. And I asked that person, like, why? They go, I could just tell.
0: Don't you believe that's a skill set? I think oh, it's a it massive is, set.
1: It is. It's called confidence.
0: Do you think it's confidence and also sales ability?
1: You know, I think they kind of go hand in hand. And I think to be a good salesperson, you've got to be confident. But it's hard to sell something you don't believe in. Uh, listen, I think you go to sales. I, I'm working on a book, you know, How to Be a Great Entrepreneur. And it's in, it's in my most recent book. I did a whole chapter on it. I think salesmanship is the number one quality in an entrepreneur. In other words, if you can give me only one of my, all my gifts, Give me leader. Give me all of them. If I could only have one, I'll take salesmanship. Now people say, oh, "I'll take leadership." You can learn leadership. Yeah, I think you can learn leadership. Salesmanship is a little bit of you got it, and if you don't have it, it's a hard thing to overcome. You're. I'm always. Listen, I'm 25 years in this. I'm selling all the time. When I interview an employee, I'm selling. When I'm bringing on a contractor, I'm selling. When I'm bringing on a business partner when i'm bringing on a bank that i want to do business with when i'm structuring a deal i'm selling you're always selling as an entrepreneur
0: you know i love this topic i absolutely love it because it's something i struggled with for i'm 21 years old and i've been in in business now since i was 18 so for the first two years only recently in the past year do i feel i've become very strong at sales and and what happened what had to happen for me to realize that was sales is not just to a customer and it's exactly what you said. Yeah. You're selling your life. You're selling your dream. You're selling the process. You're selling every single thing and every single aspect. Even when you're talking to people who have no interest in your business, you're selling your business. I'm and it's pitching fascinating.
1: Nah, nah. And you know, it's funny. This is what I tell you. And if you get really good at it, if you get really good at it, I always say it's, it's sales, but I'm going to contradict myself a little bit. If you're selling, you're really not good at it. Because this is what I've learned. I'm at, you know, I make a ton of money doing what I do in in my businesses and it's selling clients, you know, in in a company I've had for over 20 years. But what I found out, I'm really never selling anymore. Number one is I'm solving a problem. People pay me a lot of money because I can solve problems that they can't solve. Number two is they trust me with the problem or they trust me to, to solve whatever's out there. Number, number three is, is that I, they refer business. I get business that lands on my lap. I don't have to go after it anymore. Yeah. Number four is my competition can't do what I do at the level I do it. So I, I, And then number five is I typically am always telling a story about how I solve the problem. Whatever. So I don't feel like I'm ever selling is my point. I feel like I'm solving their problem. Um, I, I want to be somebody they trust. I'm a confidant under that subject matter. They believe in my advice. My competition can, will, chooses not to be as good as I am. Yeah, And so people refer me business like crazy. So I don't. I was thinking about it the other day. I'm like, I'm never selling, but I'm always selling. Because yeah. if you do it right, <laughs> you, you shouldn't feel like you're, you know. It's Nobody likes to be sold. They like to buy. This is what I tell people. Nobody likes to be sold. They like to buy.
0: That's unbelievable. I think one of the, you hit the nail on the head there, and, and one of the, most simple things anyone ever told me was when i was asking about sales because i used to think exactly that shit i don't know sales like i'm gonna have to read books on it and i'm gonna have to learn how to manipulate people and all i was told was about sales was figure out what they need ask them what they need help with and be the be the problem solver and now i go into every sales call knowing quite well what they need but i still ask them and then I become the problem solver, and all of a sudden, it's like I've not even sold you. All I've done is made you feel like I'm going to help you with what you struggle with, and it's, it's incredible. It's a,
1: consult, it's a consultant sales is that you just keep addressing their pain points, keep asking them questions. The more, que- you know, this is how you know if they if you're talking more than they're talking, you're not good at sales. Yeah, because you need to ask and let them talk.
0: And let them share. They start to realize, right? Start to realize. Yeah, and
1: then you, then you kind of, you know, yeah. I, I mean, I love selling because I, I don't think no, no one skill made me more money and has attributed more to my success, I think, than selling because I have business partners. Mm-hmm. I'm basically asking somebody to partner with me, with no guarantee of money. You know, you got to be a, you got to be a pretty good salesperson to pull that off.
0: Yeah here's here's something that that again i've struggled with and, and that's why i love these podcasts because i can dive deep into those questions because i also know that other young entrepreneurs struggle with this massively as well there's selling and then there's high ticket selling yeah. and it's i've learned the hard way that it's two completely different ball games oh, I, you, can, it's apples and oranges. you can sell and i feel i'm very good at selling but Selling this, which is where the real money is, is a completely different ball game. Where do you see the bridge?
1: What it is is this is the problem with the high ticket is a different type of sales than that. You have to it, it, it's and you got to do stuff before you ever talk to them. I, I always joke like great marketing. I talk about layered marketing. Great marketing does all the selling for you, so that you're just an order taker. <laughs> the problem is is that if you feel like you really got to sell those high ticket ones your preliminary marketing isn't making you credible enough is it making them know like you by the time you start talking you want them to go man i want to do business with that guy i mean he's done this 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 and that he's you know and you have testimonials of things you've overcome yeah good marketing makes makes the big ticket because i have Two hundred thousand dollar clients in a so I know what you're talking about. They buy because they trust you. That it, it really comes down to that. High ticket items they buy because they trust whatever you're saying. You could you can back it up, and they, there's something they want. It's a course or whatever the case may be, and they believe that you could t- you, if you could provide, you could take them faster and further. You know what I mean? They trust you to do whatever it is that you say you're going to do. Yeah. That's what a boy, big ticket items is nothing more than trust. They're saying to themselves, is this real? Can he really do that? Or can I even do it? You know or can he yeah. help me do it? Yeah. And that establishing that, that credibility.
0: Do you believe in putting cost on the table early? Or waiting? Oh, wait. Absolutely. Oh,
1: I think you qualify people. To some degree, because you're wasting. The end of the day is that you have a target audience. I think a lot of times we're selling to people that really aren't our target audience.
0: Right.
1: In other words, if it's a high ticket item, there is a qualifier there. If, if I was selling a high ticket item, I think before I ever got on a phone call with them, I would do something preliminary, a five question. Have you Have you ever spent money on education of any kind? Yeah. Have you ever been to a seminar or se- in other words if you have a person who's never spent more than a hundred dollars on I mean, you know what I mean yeah. they probably have a first level ceiling right. and then the big ticket comes in you know so getting somebody to a big ticket I think you know sometimes there's some preliminary questions you know, yeah or you know I tell you what people what works too is pulling something away from somebody. As in, so let's say, yeah, let's say you have a $10,000 course, okay, and you're the and you're like going to sell this person, you're doing the onboarding call. You go, you know what, John, man, I know we're talking about obviously this $10,000 masterclass thing. I'm really not sure yet if you're quite bit ready for that yet. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I know it could help you, but, you know, listening to it, you know, we have, number one is that class fills up fairly quickly anyway. I would almost rather put you in maybe a mid-level course, probably one of our $3,000 ones. And I think if we did that, I think it would, you know, I'd feel a lot more confident in our ability to help you in our $10,000 course. See, you go to sell them 10, you don't, you take away what they want. You sell them something on three. You're going to get the three and you're going to get the 10. <laughs> so it's scarcity. It exclu- exclusivity and scarcity sells.
0: Yeah. So yep.
1: Ha- see, at 10,000, they're expecting you to push to 10,000.
0: But when you're not, they you're realize not, that and you, you, you don't need them. I think that's a really fascinating point. Uh, yeah. A lot of people make it, and I did this as well. You put the ball in their court by making it feel like you need them. But when you, what you're talking about is you're making it feel like they need you.
1: Yeah, I point. would find something that where you know they don't quite, let's say it's a, it's master level on leadership and whatever, and you you do your pre-interview, they've got very little experience with it. Normally, you would sell them that course in a minute. Yeah. And you go, you know, based on, I think you're at that, that very, you know, basic level, John. As much as I'd love to have you in the master class, I think that might be a, a bit too much for you at this point.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It would be really good because I'd hate to see you waste ten thousand dollars. So what I'd love to do is do the thousand dollar course with you. I think you're going to get some value in that. But I think at the end of the ten thousand, uh, of the thousand, you're going to see if whether you really, if you know, this is what absolutely you want. And I think we'll be closer to determine whether our next course can help you. Right. The point is, I mean, you just pull it away. (laughs) You just because they're expecting you to sell it, and you pull it away. So you go into it not wanting to sell them.
0: So do you, think it's worth, do you think it's worth creating almost an even higher ticket offer, knowing quite well that you're going to sell them on the lower ticket? That was
1: my whole point. That's exactly. See, my point is, is be happy with the $3,000 sale. You create the $10,000 to sell the $3,000.
0: Even though the $10,000 doesn't really, even if it doesn't exist yet. You'll
1: create it. <laughs> if they want it, you'll create it. But this is my point. This is why you can't go wrong either. You take 10 people through the $3,000, they are all going to want the 10000 what about that ten thousand dollars course you told me about? You just develop it, and then they when go. you're working with them, hey, you know we're working on this. But what do you see that you would really love to have help with? And they each, you know, five of your students each give you something. You develop it. You develop it over a weekend. Crying <laughs> out loud, you know that's easy. But I, I think the problem is, is that when you go to sell, and I know this because people pitch me, and I'll have my son with me, and I can, I can catch the pitch before it even starts. I'll literally take my legal pad. And I'll kind of outline how this is going to go. Yeah. So I think if you do this, the I've never had anybody do this to me before. You know, Sean, I know you want our hundred thousand Instagram follower thing. You know, and looking at the profile, you know, this is kind of new to you, and posting stories and all that. It might be what I'd like to do first is do like a trial, a thirty day, twenty five hundred dollars. And I just want to make sure that we can get you to
0: post and understand what.
1: Pull it away. Yeah. Pull it away. Sell something little. You're gonna get the big one anyway.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you almost oversell the big thing as if it's like subconsciously oversell it by yeah. giving it some crazy name, right? Yeah. You're, I don't oh, think absolutely. you're ready for the elite expertise yeah, yeah. to package yet.
1: <laughs> yeah, what we what we found is sometimes people that are, are just totally new to this space. I know you're excited about it, and we love <laughs> that, right? I know you're excited about it, but I really would feel more comfortable in this, and, and I think that'll tell if it's a great fit.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, you know, you sell by creating scarcity.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you've got to qualify them. You've got to qualify yeah. them. You've got to have the offer that you know you're going to sell them at, but you've got to have this almost, even if it's made up, some bigger offer that you're going to take from right under their nose and yeah. pinpoint them. Once,
1: and once you take them through it, you create that. There's always more learning. So creating another course, I always said, listen, it's like the pre-sell. If you can pre-sell your product to start a business, absolutely do it because the easiest problem in the world is to figure out how to scale something that you have a demand for. What's hard to figure out is how to create a demand. In other words, that's always the big problem. If somebody demands something you want, you can create that course. My gosh, i got 20 people that want to buy a $10,000 course. You'd finish that thing in the next 48 hours. (laughs) right? You'd have a videographer over there in the morning for crying out (laughs) loud. They'd be editing. I mean, I'm joking, but that's a good problem to have.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's,
1: you know, that's a really good problem to have.
0: Yeah. No, that's fascinating. I think, I think the whole process of sales and selling and it's really just in many ways, where do you see this then? I want to, I want to talk about this. Where do you see painting a picture in someone's head about what the future holds?
1: I mean, I think that you paint it, but you got to kind of get them to join with you. On, you know, like on take them on.
0: one step at a time. Exactly.
1: Yeah. I'm just always, this is what I always <laughs> tell people. Listen to me, you're going to achieve what you think you're going to, I mean, what you have in your mind. And, and I believe that to be true. My wife and I, when we first got married. I would take her through really expensive neighborhoods right. and I knew at 22 the house I wanted. What it look like? I would joke with her. It'll have three car garage. At the time, that was like a huge thing. Well, now I have all that times ten.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but but I do. I think that you you know you have to have a vision of what something's going to look like, and you try to help somebody paint that because I I would say like okay, what what kind of car do you see yourself driving? If you could drive any car, what would it be? And they come off with like you know a base level lexus no no no. i mean no no we can do
0: better they always set their heights low don't they
1: yeah yeah exactly like what's you know you just i mean i think it's you know listen as an athlete i visualize i never pictured a person ever scoring on me now i was shocked that they happened to score on me (laughs) but but in my imagination every day when i would Picture it—you know—picture it. I never pictured anybody scoring me, so you got to—you got to visualize. You know, you got to have a vision of what you want your life to look like. Yeah. Or how in the world do you
0: hit it? Do you believe in a deeper why for why you go into things, as I in mean, deeper than money, deeper than?
1: Oh yeah, money's never. Listen, I joke about money. Money is never. I, I, if you listen to the beginning, not I never. Yeah. Money comes last. It sounds good in theory. Listen, money's not everything, but it's in the top five. I mean, it really is. If you don't have it, you'll realize how much you missed it. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, but in business, to me, money is just the scorecard. If you create a great business and do it right, the money takes care of itself. Yeah, it, it really does. I'm not one of those where I, I've never started a business where the preeminent. I think maybe as maybe my first one, the detailing. That's the only one I really wanted to make money. After that, I was so caught up in business just the concept of it but in my first business i did it because i wanted to keep score and i was like okay i want to make money and we did then i realized after that if you set up a good business it it naturally makes money if you run it correct if you have a good business that you run correctly and there's a great demand for what it is you're selling the money takes care of itself i make more money than i ever imagined i mean I, i pinch myself sometimes yeah and with the most basic companies
0: yeah i think i think something that's fascinating about you and 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 I love how, in in so many ways, you're contradictory to what the norm would be. And and something that I find fascinating is the average person says, "You make more money, you bring on more problems." You don't see that in any way, oh, shape, or form, no, and neither do I. Money. And so I, I look at I look at you, and I want to I want to hear your response to that statement.
1: That is the dumbest statement I have ever heard in my life. Th- we're going to go over this for a second. We're going to repeat.
0: Let's this. go over it. Making
1: money. More money you make, you bring home more problems. Well, a, if I have a problem, I have a good lawyer to fix it. A, when my house is dirty, I pay somebody to clean it. When I'm hungry, I can have a chef. I can call Grubhub. I can get any meal delivered to my house. When I am cold, I can buy heat. When I want, I mean, those, uh, you know, there are yeah. certain other than health issues, and even those issues, I could have, I could be in front of better doctors, or whatever the case may be. I mean. The more money I've made in life, I actually when when you first start out, you do a hundred percent of everything, and eighty percent of it you don't like doing. There's this sliver of twenty percent that you're really good at. Yeah. When you first start out, you're still doing eighty percent of crap you don't like. When you get to the game where I'm at now, no, eighty percent of my time is on the twenty percent of the stuff I absolutely love. Yeah. Because I make enough money to pay people. To I, I I have an assistant. I, I pay people to do the things I don't like to do. So it's the complete opposite. When you when you look at like these NFL owners, like in their in their seventies and whatever, do they look like they're sweating? Like they're really worrying. I mean, when you have wealth, you're absorbed from a lot of problems. Because yeah. the big you want to have a real problem. Find out how you're going to feed your kid tomorrow. You want a real problem? Find out how you're going to pay your house payment or your mortgage.
0: So money brings that's, about more peace.
1: I, 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 yeah, I would say just the opposite. All I know is when I didn't have money, I was far more stressed out.
0: Yeah. yeah so Fascinating, I, I, fascinating, fascinating. I think that's a... Uh, again, I don't know why it's so contradictory because it's, like you said, to me when I hear that statement as well, is like... How could you possibly think think that? And that's, I think, in many ways, as I'm growing older and growing more experienced and speaking to more people, what's holding so many people back is they're scared of money. They're scared of earning.
1: Well, where the problem is people vilified it. I mean, the most generous people in the world are billionaires. You know, they're the ones giving away half. Go up to the average person on the street and say, hey, listen, would you give away half your money to, you know? I mean, there's a big pledge of a lot of billionaires who give away half their wealth, Warren Buffett. I mean, yeah. Bill Gates has given away so much money. There's nothing wrong with making, if you make money honestly, providing a service or a great product for people, congratulations.
0: Yeah.
1: That's a good thing. Making money and being able to give it however way you want to or spend it however way you want to, which creates jobs. I know it's just, I mean, there was a time when money was not a bad thing
0: yeah I know I know so it's crazy today it's, you got to apologize for it yeah it feels like that in many ways doesn't it yeah. you have to apologize for for The wanting. minimalist
1: thing this whole idea this minimalist thing you know'm'm I'm at I'm the very least that that's fine whatever makes you whatever you wants fine but i I like man i I love that I can make and give generously
0: you know I think it's funny I saw a statement the other day that from someone I can't remember who it was and they said I find it hilarious those people who work 9 to 5 and hate their job that say money isn't everything when every single waking hour they spend making money because they go and work 9 to (laughs) 5. They just haven't found other ways to do it and they've convinced themselves that it's not.
1: Yeah, listen to me. You know, hey, I I haven't found a mortgage company that will take anything other than money to pay the payment. (laughs) I haven't found a grocery store that I can barter at. So. You know, at the end of the day, <laughs> m- m- yeah, I haven't. I've never been able to barter for groceries, so I, I think it's an—it's just, it's, you know, it's a necessary thing. Yeah. It, it's funny, you know, it, if you made it to a spiritual sense because people try to spiritualize things. And and Genesis chapter two, after God created everything, just for a little spiritual lesson, I went to Liberty University. Yeah, gold is good was the first thing God said was good after creation. Gold <laughs> is good, Genesis two. You know, so I mean, it's reality.
0: Amen. It's a reality. I love it. Yeah. So, Sean, we've talked about everything. We've talked about entrepreneurship, sales, all that sort of stuff, business leadership, etc., etc., visions. Your next book, touch a little bit on that. What's it? What does it entail?
1: Yeah. So, I'm going to give away a book today too. So, if you go to my personal site, SeanCastrina.com. The eight unbreakable rules for business startup success is there. It's free. There's no, you're not going to get sold anything. So just, <laughs> you're you not going to get go sold there.
0: anything. You're just going to get painted a dream, eh? That's and then it. you're going to get told That's what it. you can't get. S- yeah, we're we're going to give you the gonna, high ticket offer and pull it away from <laughs> I'm under just your nose. I say that.
1: <laughs> if my staff calls you tomorrow, they're going to say the $3,000 <laughs> No, we don't, we're not going to say anything, but that is funny. Uh, but you can get a free book at SeanCastrina.com. I'm actually finishing up. This is going to be my first, you know, Really big one. It's called Developing the Entrepreneur Within, and it's going to be 360. It, it's it, there's a lesson every day for entrepreneurs. So it's everything I've learned over 25 years. So wow. every single day I give you either, I give you a lesson, I give you a piece of advice, I give you something or a, something I've learned over 25 years. Wow. So yeah, it's 365 days of strategies, advice, and lessons learned. And That's um, phenomenal. Yeah, and we're hope to have that wrapped up here in the next. 30 days. I think it's going on the printing press in like a week. But um, yeah, but you can get a free book at SeanCastrina.com and and then developing the entrepreneur within this one. I'm really excited. This one took me five years to write.
0: Wow. So if you hate money and you don't want to go into business and you're scared of money, then don't go and get it. But if you do want money and you want to learn how to (laughs) get into entrepreneurship and rinse and repeat the business model that has worked time and time again, then you know what to do. You know where to go. So Sean, thank you so much, first and foremost. Not that you need it, but where can people find you specifically?
1: You know, if you go to my site, seancastrini.com, you get tons of free stuff. Obviously, you can follow me on Instagram, though. I'm probably the boring, my team will hate to say that, probably the boringest person you can follow. <laughs> and then with that, finally being said, I host a 10-minute entrepreneur podcast. So if you kind of like the way I talk about business, every day I do it for 10 minutes. Um, I love teaching. And so I the 10-Minute Entrepreneur Podcast.
0: Yeah, you can only get the 60-minute one, but then we're going to pull it under your nose and you can get the 10-minute one. So that's, it. that's about it. I love it. Well, Sean, thank you so much. You've been an incredible guest. So many practical lessons learned here. Fascinating. And, and I personally have learned an incredible amount as well. So thank you so much. To everybody else, you know what to do subscribe if you haven't by now to the inspiring Young spires podcast we're hitting the top 100 charts top 30 top 10 all over the world i'm i'm incredibly humbled by your continued support so thank you so much and to all of you as well if you haven't already and you don't give me a follow at billy garton jr across all platforms i've said it once i've said it twice i've said it a million times we're going to the very 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 tip top speak to you guys soon